Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I am your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America, and I'm a nurturer of minds and hearts. Welcome to part two of the conversation that I had with my colleagues on our second grade team who are teaching face-to-face during this pandemic. This is the longest episode that I have published this season, but can be your companion as you drive, work out, or as you just take a moment with a warm beverage during the holidays. Last week's episode took us down memory lane to the spring of 2020. My colleagues and I reflected on how we were impacted and how our experiences made us an even stronger team. This week, we focus on the changes since then, and share messages that we hope will inspire and encourage others as we continue through a challenging school year. Let's rejoin the conversation now. I came through the summer and with a whole lot of trepidation wondering what's going to happen we went through another roller coaster or elevator ride. I don't know how well I enjoyed the last part of my summer break because I was waiting on p- with, <laughs> with pins and needles wondering what is our school board is going to decide? Are we going back into the building? And finally they decided, okay, we would start remotely. And then it was always, up, once again, a roller coaster ride. Are we gonna stay remote? Are we gonna go back face to face? Eventually, the decision was made, and then my heart shifted. And that's when I had the idea of inviting you three to have a conversation. Because I was dreading not only for myself, but for you who were assigned to -to face-to-face classrooms. I could not mentally prepare for it. I don't even know if I'm still mentally prepared for it. And even though I've had to come into your classrooms as a teacher who is teaching virtually I still have to support you who are face to face but it was just such a heavy load for me looking looking on from the outside so I want to transition into a conversation about that since we're talking about what was going well in this in the spring let's continue on that same trend let's talk about what is going well now that you're face to face it could be instructionally or any other aspect that you want to touch on let's start with what's going well is nothing going well? <laughs> no, I would say it's exponentially better than online um, for not only, I think it's better for me and my kids too. Um, just the relationships I built, the rapport we have that wasn't there online. Um, and I just feel like it's better for them academically for most every kid in my class. I think they're doing better in person rather than online um, without the distractions of things that might be at home. I just think they're, yeah, it's, I think it's better for especially small children, like our seven and eight year olds to be in person building relationships with each other and just some of that social emotional life skills that they may not get through the computer. I I was trying to see how I could word this in the best possible way um, when we had that long pause, but I actually, I wanted to teach face-to-face. I, you know, personally for me, I'm, I'm even in college, I, I did not do well with online classes. I mean, so I just can't imagine going through that. 
as a seven-year-old turning eight-year-old. And so um, I, I opted to, I, I volunteered to do face-to-face. That's what I truly wanted to do. And I, I understood the risks that were going to be in place. And I, I understood what um, was going to be expected with all the different procedures, because it is definitely not like school as we know it. And um, it definitely showed when the parents, when we had virtual meetings with the parents about coming back and getting the kids ready for it and their faces and their questions, it was just very um, eye-opening because um, they, they, it was almost like, yes, I want my students back in school, but they didn't understand what it was really going to look like. It's so different. I mean, they can't play on the playground equipment. They have to keep their masks on all day. And it was it was hard for me to keep my mask on all day. So I can't imagine. Um, I know I felt I felt like such a wuss, like having to keep my I was like complaining about it, you know, and um, but and then my kids having them, you know, not get used to it. And it was really hard in the beginning. And the parents faces they you have to keep that mask on all day. I said, yes, they do. They have to, except for when they eat, they even have to keep it on at recess. So, you know, it, it's just very different from how we used to do school, but I I wanted to be back. I wanted to be back in my classroom. I wanted the students to be back, but it's just, it's very hard. It's a, you're between a rock and a hard place because the risks are all still there. And you worry about, like Ms. McFarland said, you you worry about your coworkers and you worry about your kids. You worry about kids' families and how they're doing at home too and how, how this is all, we're trying to get back to some state of normalcy. So I, th- I think it, I, I agree with April in that it has gone well. I've, I've enjoyed having my students back. Yeah, we, we all agree that face-to-face is really the best scenario for, for them. And it's, it's challenging too because they are back face to face, but it's not like what they were used to. And our second graders knew what school was like before. It's not like the kindergartners who are for this is their first time. So this is all they know as it relates to school, although some of them may have had a preschool experience. So it's a big shift for them. And I think that's a big piece of what um, I find important this year as a parent and also as a teacher, because even though we're back face to face, school is not the same as it was before. And we have to kind of shift those expectations in order to ride through this wave. Raylene, what's your take? Well, I have a little bit of a different classroom because eight of my students are virtual and eight of my students are in person. And don't get me wrong, it is extremely difficult to do both. But what I love the most is being able to feel like I only have eight students in my classroom at once, most of the time. Whereas when I'm teaching math, I'm doing only my eight face-to-face students. So I'm able to really pay attention to their body language and, okay, you say you get it, but I can read your body and it's telling me you don't. And I could spend more time with them than I would in a full class. And that's something that's going really well is I'm just able to give them more attention when I'm teaching and meet their needs where they are. And that's something that I struggled with having a class of 20 before. And now that I have a class of eight, so to speak, it's it's been a lot easier for me to reflect on my teaching with each group and to better meet their needs. I also have found it a lot easier to reach out for help. I like to stay in my bubble and I don't like to ask for help. 
or make it seem like I need help. But this year, it's been incredible to me because I've had our instructional facilitator reach out and say, how can I help you? What do you need me to do? Um, so she's teaching um, and, and doing small groups with some of my face-to-face -face kids. And it's been such a blessing to be able to collaborate with somebody outside of my classroom. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not so bad to ask for help. Um, so it's kind of opened my eyes. Yeah. And listening to you talk, um, those are the same things that I am struggling with in my virtual teaching scenario, because you have the benefit of seeing and giving immediate feedback. But I'm seeing black squares on my screen. And even when we're collaborating on something like using Jamboard and every student is working on a slide, I can do so much and no more to get them to actually do something on the slide. I can encourage them. I can say, turn your microphone on. Can you respond to this question? But if they have walked away from their devices, there's nothing I can do about it. So I really, really feel what you're talking about. And I really miss that too, because in the in-person format, I could walk around from one table to the next and give immediate feedback or say, come on over to my kidney table for some additional support. Even little things, as you're talking about math railing, I could say, okay, let's grab a bag of base 10 blocks. Let's work on this together. The hands-on is missing. Now they have to be clicking and dragging manipulatives on a website or, you know, doing a quick draw to represent numbers. And it's just not quite the same. You know, the tactile is so important, especially with our young students. So I'm happy to know that, you know, you're going through the face-to-face -face scene and even though there are challenges there, you're still able to glean some of the benefits from what is ideally the best way for us to teach. So what are some strategies that you're using to be able to cope with teaching during a pandemic? I reflect on, on my drives to and from school every day, like what am I going to do to help myself tomorrow? Or I look at my colleagues like you and say, well, if they're face-to-face -face and they're dealing with it, or somebody like Raylene who is in both cases, online and face-to-face -face at the same time, and she's surviving it amidst the challenges, then I can too. What are some of the things that you're doing to cope? For me, one thing I've been really trying to do is take advantage of each moment throughout the day and really utilize my time better than I have in the past. So during lunch and during, you know, the teacher breaks, I try to get as much done as possible so that I leave at 4.30 and I do not do anything else. I don't even bring my computer home most days and I'm just out of there. I come home, watch Netflix, <laughs> eat dinner and chill. So just trying to be productive when I am in the building and then when I'm not in the building, just relaxing as much as possible better. It's easier said than done, but um, I found that has really helped me this year with getting everything done and staying motivated and productive. I try to do that too, April. And the thing is, is I think what has happened, and I don't want to say that this is a blessing and a curse type scenario because no one wants what's going on in the world to happen. I do not want this to happen. I, I think it, you know, what, what people have been going through right now during this pandemic and everything has been awful. And, but what it has brought up is the gift of time. And I know that that's been kind of been seen through like, you know, you spend more time with your family or you 
take the time to appreciate the things that maybe you didn't before. But I can tell you the biggest difference because last year, my first year of teaching was such a whirlwind and it was, it was hard. The first semester was very hard. And I think this year being as collaborative as we are has made such a difference in how I have been able to take care of myself more. I haven't, you know, as much, of course, I I still plan and look at everybody's lessons and we talk about it together and I'm still working hard as ever, but it's, I've really taken this time to give myself a lot more grace than I ever have before with trying to take care of myself. I'm, I'm someone that I, you know, I can't let them down. I can't let my students down. If it was just all, you know, on me and if I didn't do something just because it was, you know, up to me or it was my circumstance and, you know, I didn't do it fine, but I I don't slack because I think of them, you know? And so this has made me slow down a lot and think about self-care and how much easier it is to think about that and to think about yourself during this time. Cause I don't think anybody really understands what we could possibly go through <laughs> during the year and how hard we work. And so, and also getting really nice messages from parents. It's been very, very sweet and how much they realize what we're doing and how hard we're working. And, you know, that we can't, we've got a lot of things that are out of our control right now. And so um, it has been nice to have them see that side too. And actually, you know, we, we've been teaching in their homes, you know, and how they can see what we've actually been doing. So just going through that. That's definitely what I've been trying to do is take more care of myself this year. Well, I could repeat everything that April and Paige said. Several days this this year, uh, I'll be walking out of the building and people will say, where's your bag? Where's your stuff? And I look at them, I say, why are you taking stuff home? You've been in this building all day. You've worked as hard as you possibly could. You've done the best you could do today. And yeah, you probably need to grade those papers or whatever, but I'm like, I I have spent my time today doing as much as I could the best way that I knew how. And when I go home, I don't want to continue working that hard. I want to take time for myself and whether that's watching mindless YouTube videos or hanging out socially distanced with a friend outside and having sweet tea and cookies or whatever I want to be able to do that and at first I was feeling guilty why am I doing this I know I need to be grading those papers I know I I need to get this lesson done but I just don't I don't want to I don't know and that sounds part of me is like man that sounds so selfish but another part of me is like no you deserve it do it girl you deserve every little bit of whatever you want to give to yourself. And if that's taking your days and doing nothing with them when you get home, then that's what I've done. And I've also, throughout the whole year, done positive affirmations with my kids every morning. And to be honest, with everybody, those positive affirmations were more for me to remind myself of those things. And I knew if I put it on myself and put it on my mirror in my bathroom, I'm, I'm not going to look at those, but I had to put it in my face every day. And in morning meeting, that was in my face every day. So every day we talk about today is going to be a great day. I am an independent learner. 
I matter. Those types of things we talk about, you know, I am smart. We say them every single day. And I try to model for my students. If something goes wrong, you know, I'll say, today is going to be a great day. I am smart. It's okay to make mistakes. And just to remind myself, I'm human and I can't be perfect. As much as I like to be perfect, I can't be perfect all the time. So just including positive affirmations and leaving work at work. I don't bring my computer home when I have meetings outside of school. Um, I'm like, oh, it's a Zoom meeting. Well, I'm gonna download Zoom on my phone. And when the meeting's over, Zoom is coming off of my phone. And that's it. So um, that's that's kind of what I've done this year for me. Yeah, I think this year we all will have to find something to help us to cope. And not just to cope to, to get along, but to make sure that we are not just taking care of our students, but we're taking care of ourselves. I think as teachers, those of us who are passionate about teaching, instinctively, almost like innately, you always default to what is going on with your students. Even at the beginning of our conversation, when we went off in the spring, a lot of us weren't even, we had to like force ourselves to say, wait a minute, how am I feeling? How am I coping with this big shift? A lot of us, our mind just defaulted to, I wonder, like Clark was saying earlier, I wonder what my students are doing. I wonder what the families are thinking. But we really have to take a breath, reset, and say, what can I do for me? Because the better I am as a person, the better I can show up as a teacher. If we're burnt out and tired all the time, we might not be the best for ourselves or for our students. So as we wrap up this episode of the Teacher's Tribe podcast, I want us to close off with a message. What message would you want to share? My listeners are parents, teachers, caregivers, or any adult that might have a teacher person in their lives. It may be a, a family member who is a teacher or maybe just a message to a parent who could hear it, not necessarily from the teacher of their individual child, but just hearing from us as, as fellow educators. What message would you want to share? Or maybe something you want the general public to understand about teaching face-to-face -face in a pandemic. I want everybody to know that we are doing the best we can. And we may not be those Pinterest teachers or those famous teachers on YouTube or TikTok. Um, you might not see us jumping around in front of our kids all day and all these awesome voices and doing all these great things, but we're doing the best we can with, with what we have. And we are putting your students first and we love your kids. We want the best for them. And sometimes we struggle with ourselves I just want everybody to know that we love your students and it might not look like sometimes that we're doing a lot for them or we're not doing our job right. We're doing the best we can with what we know at the time. Exactly. And I, let me just add quickly to that point that you, you um, went off on railing that we were never trained for a time like this. All the training, whether you went to a, a graduate degree or whatever you have, 
or experiences, right? Whether you were you're a wolfpack or you're a pirate, <laughs> whichever way you went, um, we were never trained for this. And even with training, we know as teachers, think back to your first year of teaching, all these courses, all these module you, modules you went through could not prepare you for what you're going to face in the classroom. But at least it came closer than having to teach face-to-face -face in a pandemic or even virtually in a pandemic. So that's the other thing too. We are putting our, our best experiences and our training to, to work, but it's still a learning process because we've never had to do this before. I've been teaching longer than all of you and I still <laughs> believe that nothing could have prepared me for this. I've taught in two different countries and it still hadn't prepared me for this. So it is what it is. And like Raylene said, we are giving it our best shot. We're not slacking. If anything, we're erring on the side of caution and doing more than we really can do in the, under these circumstances. So what's your message, Paige or April? Um, you know, I really want to send a message to parents and that we're here to help. You know, it's, it's not a thing of, you know, we do, we do, um, you know, really manage like how your kids are doing online or how they're doing in class and giving conferences and going past all the technical things of um, what makes us educators. And we're trying to teach your students skills and concepts that will hopefully make them the most positive and productive citizens when they leave us. But the thing of it is, is that we're, we're here foremost for the students and we're really a team. And so we're really here to help with any possible thing that, you know, you might be going through or that you need personal assistance with or anything like that. Because, you know, we all of us are facing tough times right now and trying to learn and especially having your children learn during something that something else could be going through your mind. Well, while, you know, they could, they could be hungry or they don't have what they need right now, or they, you know, their, their parents have to go to work and they're, they're not there to help them with their schooling. So there's, there could be so many other factors and what these children and are going through and we want to help. And so any type of message or any type of, um, you know, thing that any parents need, just know that your child's teacher does want to help in any aspect that that could be. We got to look past all that technical content of math, science, and English, and social studies, but we really care about your kids, and we just want the best for them, just like you do, and if there's anything that you need to please, you know, reach out to your teacher, your child's teacher, because there's tons of resources and things that we could possibly do to make your life um, a little easier with what's going on right now. And I would just say that 2020 is the year of being flexible. You have to take everything as it comes. Things are constantly changing. And one day we're in school, the next week we're out of school. And it seems to be a constant um, flip-flop. But um, you just have to be flexible. We're doing, like everyone has said, like Clark said, she said this quote the other day too. You're doing the best you can with what we have. I think that's so true. You got to make the most of the situation that we're in. There's nothing we can do to, you know, us personally change what the pandemic looks like, but um, we can change these kids' lives forever and hopefully. And while you have the mic, April, I'm going to stay with you for a bit because I've, I have always like to ask my guests these three questions. 
I see so much greatness in you and in the work that you do. I think, you know, like a ripple, you might not, you may never know how far your influence will go because what was your second grade teacher's name again, April? Miss Slocum. Miss Slocum would never know that she did not just touch your life, but the hundreds of kids that you are now teaching through the years. So her, her influence and her work carries on even into 2020. Maybe she's retired by now. We don't, I don't know. But whatever the case is, it's, it's continuing. That's a part of her legacy without her even knowing it. So I see the great work that you're doing and I recognize it, but I think it's always good, especially in these times, to reflect on what you're bringing to this world. And that's why I have three questions for you, April. And the same three for um, Holtz and Clark. Get ready. All right. So April, what are you passionate about? What am I passionate about? I was reading this question before and it really got me thinking I need to get more hobbies, <laughs> but um, I'm passionate about, I think just teaching in general, changing a kid's life. Like just like Miss Slocum changed mine, you know, like you were saying, she has no idea that I am a teacher literally because of her. And so teaching and then just my family and friends, that's what I'm passionate about making their lives better and just being with them. All right. And we talk on, on our um, grade level a lot about recognizing greatness in each other. But from your through your eyes now, April, what greatness do you believe you bring to the world? Why'd I have to go first? <laughs> because you had the mic. <laughs> oh, um, I should stick to my um my number order <laughs> instead of going with no, you first. Okay. I think I am a flexible person by nature. I can really go with the flow and I do not get easily stressed out. So I think I bring that to the table. I think I can come up with good ideas and I'm a good collaborator. So I think that's good working with the team. Uh, I need to think about this question. But that's a good answer. And I see Paige nodding and I was here nodding. That's true. And we really need more people like you in 2020 who can stay calm under pressure who is just easy to work with. We already have so much on our plate. We're juggling 20 balls in the air. And then there's somebody who comes along that's hard to collaborate with. We really don't need that this year. That's a great quality to possess. And we need that greatness in the world right now. So thank you for bringing that to the world. Who or what inspires or motivates you, April? Um, in teaching or in life? It doesn't matter. It could be life. It could be teaching. It doesn't matter. You get to choose. What, where do you find your inspiration and your motivation? I think mostly I, I get, I, I'm who I am because of my parents. And I think they, if I had to choose, they inspire me the most. Just who they are, the what they've been through. Um, I get emotional every time I talk about my parents. It's so crazy. Um, but I think their relationship, yeah, what they've been through, they both didn't come from like the best situations and just the lives that they could, gosh, the lives that they've given me and my sisters is, is they're the best I could ask for. So that when you're, when you're deeply moved, it shows how much you've been inspired. And you know what? I don't know your parents, but I'm sure they're very proud of you. And that's the greatest gift as a parent, since I'm the only one on the panel right now, who is a parent, that's the best gift that you could give to your parent, just acknowledging and recognizing how much they mean to you and how the work that they've done in your lives and your siblings' lives 
have meant so much. I hope they get to listen to this podcast and know if they've never heard it before, <laughs> it's it's something that they can hear right now. So thank you for sharing that. I know it means a lot to go on into such a personal thing and to share it publicly, but it inspires me to hear that as a mother. All right, who's ready for my three questions? Who's next? Come on in, Paige, let's do this. Um, I, I think Clark is happy that I didn't do my ABC order this time because she would be first again. So here we go. Back to question number one, Paige. What are you passionate about? I think, of course, I am very passionate about teaching. It, it's taken up a, a lot of who I am as a person. And I, I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher. I actually um, majored in music um, my freshman year at East Carolina. And I, I loved it. And I, I do have a very passionate music side to me. And I still love to play. But I knew that I always wanted to work in education because I just loved kids. I could connect with them. I loved, you know, hanging out with them. I always babysat. I was very close with my mom's kids when she taught and I got to go in and see her and, and see her teach. And so that was just something that sparked with me while I was in college. And I said, well, let's just give it a try. And I'm glad I immediately fell in love with it. So, um, but those are a few things that I'm passionate about teaching and I, I love music. Okay. And I just want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to Miss Debbie. We love her. <laughs> Yeah, so um, for your listeners, Miss McFarland, my mom taught for 32 years um, in uh, my home county in Carter County, and she um, really inspired me to become a teacher. But and she would come in. Uh, everyone knows Miss Debbie, and she would um, come in and help me and volunteer in my classroom because she's retired now. I can't tell you how much she helps me, and I really appreciate it having another um, veteran teacher to come in and help me. <laughs> through all the first year struggles. And so um, she even, you know, would go to y'all's rooms and say, hey, do y'all have any copies? Do you need anything? And so <laughs> that's just her personality and that's just who she is. And so it was really great having her and having her connect with my kids too. Yeah, we miss having her around this year. She's an, <laughs> she's an ex-officio team member for second grade. Yeah. So once when, when things get back to normal, we will be happy to have her. So unlike April, you had the benefit of having an educator in your family. So I can see where that passion comes from. So Paige, what greatness do you believe you bring to the world? I'm very passionate about people and I'm very passionate about other people's well-beings and stories and making sure that everybody is okay and happy as much as I am and I want to be that person for somebody. You know, I, I think I can be a very good listener. I think I can kind of handle confrontation in a very respectful and equal way between parties. And I found that in my master's degree when I took a lot of leadership classes and I found that I have a passion for you know, helping people through a difficult situation and being that type of person for people. And so I think my um, ability, you know, to empathize with people is quite strong. And I want everybody on our team to know that anything y'all need, I, I remember Miss Stanley called me um, during our great, my greatness circle when everybody went around. And I remember she called me the candy striper of <laughs> our team, because I would, I would volunteer, I would want, you know, to try and put my hand in everything so I could help anybody out and volunteer for things. And so I, I feel that's what I bring to our team. You know, you were wondering why you were coming into the profession your first year, <laughs> so-called first official year, yeah. um, and then the pandemic happened. It's because the world needed a teacher like you, Paige, during <laughs> this time. 
somebody who could stay upbeat and motivate and encourage and support everybody. I see that greatness in you too. I'm glad you recognize it in yourself. So my third question and final for you is who or what inspires or motivates you? That's such a hard question because I, I relate so much to April in this. I had the most um, fortunate 12 years of public education. I can honestly say I never had a hard experience with a teacher ever, not through elementary, not through middle, not through high school. All of my teachers really inspired me. And because, um, you know, unlike April, who was really good at school, I actually was not. I had a lot of not not learning difficulties, but I, I could learn. It just took me a little while. You know, it, 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 it was a lot harder for me. And my learning style was different than my peers. And every single one of my teachers understood that and, you know, really encouraged me. And that's another thing why I became a teacher. I, I really connect with students also who I can see a little bit of myself in and who it's kind of hard for them as well. And I want to be that sounding board, that person that, you know, told them that it was okay. And you still learn. It's just, you're, you're going to learn. It's just, you're not good at it yet, or you haven't gotten it yet. And so, um, and that's what I've truly believe. I mean, I went to tutoring and everything like that to just try and, um, you know, stay afloat with the rest of my peers. And um, I also am like April in that my parents really drove that as well. They are, um, you know, the reason that I am who I am today. And without them, I just, I can't imagine um, what, what I would have done or anything else in my life uh, without them. And so, um, you know, I really appreciate everything that they've done and look up to them because it wasn't easy for them either. I, I, I really appreciate um, what my parents have given me. Yay. And I can see it because I've met both of your parents. So shout out to the Holtz and Miss Debbie, we love you. (laughs) All right, Raylene, are you ready for another ride? This time, let me tell you what this ride is, Raylene. It's not, it's not going to be a roller coaster ride. It's not going to be an elevator that's going in up and down and free falling. You know, those, I don't even know what they're called. Somebody help me out. You know, those like conveyor belt type things that in the, you have in the airport when you don't want to have to walk, you could just stand on it and it moves along almost like an escalator moves, but it's flat. What do you call those? I, I honestly can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Like a moving sidewalk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so Raylan, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the moving sidewalk of three questions for you. You had the benefit <laughs> of listening to or two friends respond before you. So you should, this should be a breeze for you. I don't know. So, it might be a breeze for me, but it's hard following up to all those answers. I'm just saying. But listen, everybody's experience is unique and you have something that Paige and April don't have. So you, you are unique, right? So let's go. Tell me, Raylene, what are you passionate about? It was interesting hearing April's background a little bit saying that she knew she wanted to be a teacher from second grade. I was right there with you. I was little, way, I mean, teeny tiny. And at my grandparents' house, I would fuss at my grandma for sitting on the couch because she just sat on my invisible children. Why would you do that, grandma? You know, those types of things. My dad used to get upset with me because I would take reams of paper out of the office and go into my room and staple, I don't know, eight to 10 sheets of paper together and scribble all over them, big X's or check marks with great job. Basically, I was just wasting paper, but I was checking my students' work. It's really cool to hear April say 
say the same story. Even my neighbors, we would get together. My parents bought me an old wooden student desk um, where the table or the desk part was attached to the chair. And that's where I would make my friends sit when it was their turn to be the student. I guess I'm just passionate about making sure my students have the best experience they can while they're with me. And knowing that they might come from a home that, you know, they might be having a hard time getting food on the table or a home that might be broken. And I want my students to come into my, my classroom and know that they are loved and they are valued. And all of us are here nodding, really, because we see that in you. I'm thinking back to when it came time for us to transition back into the building and the face-to-face teachers were getting their rosters and changes had to be made. I remember how emotional you got with the thought of potentially losing some of your students. And I was like, Raylan is really going to take on the challenge of teaching virtually and face-to-face simultaneously. But that just tells me how passionate you were, that even though it was an even greater challenge than we're already having, you didn't want to lose any of your students. I think teaching is a calling and you feel that calling to know that this is your purpose or this is something that you can contribute to the world. And I see that in you, Raylan. So thank you for sharing that gift. To tell me, what greatness do you believe you bring to the world? Well, you know, I think about the greatness circles that we've had and you guys calling calling me out on the good things about me. I find it hard to think about the good things that I have within me a lot of the times. So I was thinking about this question. I was like, maybe we could just skip it. Um, (laughs) But I know Maxine and I know you would spin it in another way that I didn't even think about. And I would end up answering it anyway, um, because you want me to see in myself what everybody else does. And if you need a moment, and if you need a moment to do it, I will wait and give you a chance to do it. Because you know I'm not going to let go of this one. You are so smart, really. And kiss your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think ultimately, I think I'm just going to settle with, I don't even know if you would call this a greatness, but being random and silly and just having the ability to be funny or say something in the midst of something serious don't underestimate those things because there are so many people walking around who take their themselves too seriously. And we need people like you to break the ice sometimes. And this is the this is the year of the heavy load, as I like to call it. So we need some of those moments to really. So never, ever un- underestimate that greatness that you bring in that regard. So third and final question, who or what inspires or motivates you, Raylan? The first thought that came to my mind was, I'm, I'm part of a professional organization and we have a local here in our county. Um, and I want to be like the president of our local. She has her mess together, everything. She's on top of everything. She knows all about how to meet the needs of our students and she's working in the community and building relationships with teachers and leading and facilitating teachers and in this big organization and how passionate she is about 
what's right for our students and and their families. Man, I want to be her. I don't know if y'all ever say that, but it's like, I want to be so-and-so. Well, I want to be, can I say her name? I don't know if she would want you to say her name, but I, we've all, we've, um, April was talking about her teacher. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, it's kudos to her. So I'm, 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 I'm guessing it would be fine. <laughs> I want to be Kristen Beller. I want to be Kristen. Uh, I do. I don't know what else to say, but she's amazing. And she works hard and never shows it, never shows that she's tired. Never says that she's tired. She just does it because she knows what's best. I, I just love her. I don't know if she knows that, but she's somebody I look up to and I get my energy from. And we all need somebody like that. We all need somebody like that. And the good thing, Raylan, is we all get to be that somebody too. You may not see it on the same scale. You might think that what Kristen is doing or impact how she's impacting you you would never know that you're also impacting another colleague in the same way or a student or maybe a parent. This year, we have to work so much more closely with, with families and they're in the background. They're hearing us. They're seeing us show up. They're seeing how passionate we are. And they might feel like quitting some days, but they said, you know what? I have one or two or three children here. If Miss so-and-so can cope with 20 with 20 different needs, I can do it too. So, you know, I think this has been a wonderful conversation. It has given me the opportunity to not only feel more connected to you, but to understand some of the things that you're feeling and to also develop the sense of sol solidarity, knowing that I'm not going through it alone. And I can be inspired to maybe one day be like Raylan and walk out and leave my computer at school. And not, because, I, you know, I get home and I start thinking, oh, you know what? I need to tweak that for morning meeting. And before I know it, I'm pulling my computer out to tweak something. Or I remember that little Johnny was struggling with that. Oh, I need to go make a jam board for him just to have a one-on-one -on -one intervention with him. But, you know, you all bring something to the table and I'm the better for it. I'm blessed to work with you as colleagues. And I know half of our team is missing from this conversation. So it doesn't discount the work that we, we all do as a, as a team. I could have another episode with the other half of us who are, oh, that's an idea. <laughs> if they're willing to have a, a, an episode with those who are teaching virtually. Thank you again, ladies, so much for your time. I know we have a thousand things to do, and I appreciate that you took the time to ha have this conversation. I hope it will serve not just as an outlet for us, but other teachers listening in will gain some benefit from it. Thank you so much, Maxine. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Maxine, for making oh. us cry. <laughs> My pleasure, anytime. <laughs> Before I close off this episode, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of my listeners for tuning in each week. This podcast is one of the positive things that came out of my time of quarantine earlier this year. It has now become a part of my life as an educator and a project that I will take with me into the new year. This 27th episode marks the end of season one. And I look forward to planning, expanding, and sharing again after a short break. 
My winter break began this week and I will use this time to reset myself, get some much needed rest and spend time with my family. Until the next episode and the launch of season two, happy holidays, walk good and one love.